You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back on this episode of 30 with Murdy, a conversation with Amber Sabathia. You know her as the wife of former Yankees great CeCe Sabathia, whose 19-year career ended in 2019. But now Amber is off on her new venture you might have read about last spring. She's a full-fledged agent at CAA, representing young players in the business in which she's spent her entire adult life just on a different side. Amber and CeCe's son, Karsten Charles III, also known as Little C, one of their four children, well, he's turned into a pretty good ball player himself, and actually isn't so little anymore. He just turned 18, and he'll be a prospect to watch in next year's draft. The life in baseball, as a wife and a mom and now an agent, they're all intertwined, which makes Amber's new job as an agent one that comes with a lifetime of experiences in the bank. The Sabathias are still very much involved in the community locally, and Amber is taking part in the New Balance Bronx 10-mile race with the New York Roadrunners Club. That race is this Sunday, finishes outside Yankee Stadium, where the Sabathias had so many great moments during their 11 years here. For more on life as a baseball wife, mom, and agent, here is my conversation with Amber Sabathia. Amber, first thing I want to ask you is, uh, listen, big event coming up that uh, you, know, you get to be back at Yankee Stadium for a little bit. Um, I did not know you were a marathon runner, and I guess you still do this Bronx run as part of the New York Road Runners. Tell me a little bit about it. So in 2014, I did the New York City Marathon, um, and I joke because how I got into doing that was just over dinner, and I was telling Cece that I was going to run a marathon, and he laughed at me and was like, you're absolutely not going to run a marathon, and he's like, do you know how many miles that is? And at the time, I didn't. I just was <laughs> like, oh, it's New York City. It's a marathon. It's fun. Um, and that year, I think we ended up getting uh, close to 18 runners for Team 52 for pitching to fundraise. Uh, for that marathon. I did it. I completed it. It was a lot of work, 16 weeks of training. Yep. And that was the last marathon I ever did. But I fell in love with the running culture, the community, what you get from running and training and training with peers and friends and support groups. And so I couldn't stop running. I just wasn't doing any more marathons. Yeah. So I started doing uh, the half marathons, the New York City half, the Bronx 10, the Queens. Um, and I, I fell in love with New York Roadrunners and ended up now I'm a board member and I sit on the board of New York Roadrunners as well. And it just became my passion. It was, it's my therapy. It's what I do um, with my fellow sponsors and fundraisers and donors for pitching. We run together. We, we call it, you train, run, repeat. And you just keep, you know, you just keep going and you fundraise along the way. And it's just a great thing for not only pitching for New York Roadrunners, but the work that New York Roadrunners does um, in the community as well. I love this part of it. I ran one marathon in my life um, and I, I have a feeling you kind of have part of this uh, in you too. One thing I loved was being able to walk into a big league clubhouse and look around knowing that I'm not going to be able to do athletically what any of these guys did uh, or could do, but I did something none of these guys are even thinking about doing. 
And it doesn't matter. I didn't do very well, but I finished it. I ran it. And none of the guys in this room are probably going as gifted of athletes as they are. They're not going to run marathons. I have a feeling you kind of hold that over, over CeCe's head a little bit too. Don't Absolutely. And, and because of the knees that he's gotten from playing baseball, he'll never be able to do it. Right. And so in our, in, in my home office, I have all his trophies and then I have all my medals. Um, and like what you said, the first place, winner gets the same medal as the last place runner (laughs) so you know as long as you get out there and you complete and you cross that finish line it's so fulfilling fulfilling and um it's just what I love I love it so much I love all that you get from running together and, and being out there the energy the day of the marathon so now after I did the marathon and I knew how much went into it every year my team is out there cheering on more runners and we have a great cheering section and we you know, we have the confetti, we have the flags, we have the signs, we have um, bananas with salt on it. And we're out there just supporting all those because we know how much goes into training and, and completing it. All right. So that's, you know, that's busy enough. And you talk about, you know, you mentioned pitching. I know you guys still are so active, like here and in California, everywhere else. But you've got something else that you've taken on, too. How do you like being an agent? I love it. I love it. So in 2019, CC was in his final season and he was getting set to retire. And I, and we talked about it and we talked about what would be next for me and for us as a family in our journey. And I realized then that my passion was really supporting CC and supporting his career off the field and being his biggest cheerleader on the field. And our son was, is, you know, he's 18 now and starting to get into the game. And I said, you know, I can do this for our son, And I started looking into it and I realized I can do this for other players too. And this is actually my talent and this is what I'm great at. And so why not pursue my passion and my talent? And here I am now, CAA agent, a player agent, recruiting agent. And I love it. I really do. It's what gets me up every morning, whether it's dealing with my advisees or a minor leaguer or a current player, um, their passion and what they want to do on and off the field. Well, let me take that back. Not on the field. Cause this is my, this is my, like my elevator pitch. Yeah. I can't go out. I can't go out and do anything for you on the field. That's not my talent. What I can do is support you off the field. And so I love to hear their, the guys, their passion of what they want to do and you know, what they, how they see themselves long-term in their career and just any way that I can amplify that, support that and help that I'm here for. So how many players are under the Amber Sabathia umbrella right now? So currently I believe uh, I'm working on one. To, to add to my roster, but I'm currently at eight. That's great. That's yeah. great. And I'll, yeah. I'm going to ask you about your son later, but um, is he going to be one of, is he going to be added to your he roster? Is. Yes. Yeah. He, so someone asked me, you know, are you going to be his agent? I said, I've been advising him for 18 years. I sure hope that he, he wants me to continue to advise him onto his career. So yeah, he's also under my umbrella. Um, and I have a, a a few uh, advisees because you know you can't actually have an agent until you're on the 40-man roster and I have a couple that I'm on the team through CAA current players now. So um, that's perfect because what I want to ask you about is when you're getting guys in like the draft process you know um, that's something that is is really very interesting and I think it'd be I think people would love to hear what your when you talk about your life experience and your area of expertise in this you're perfect for the draft kids because they want to know, you know, you got to go into their house and sell them and their parents on what life in 
professional baseball, not just major league baseball, but professional baseball is like, and everything that goes along with that. And you have this whole mom experience and Mm -hmm. wife experience. And I feel like that walking into either a 17 year old or 20 year old kid's living room and sitting with his family, I feel like that's where you just go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's real. It's not scripted. It's not coming out of a deck. It's not fake. It's not me pretending like I've lived it. I lived it and they have proof that I've lived it. And then they've seen the ups and downs of CeCe's career and how he's triumphed out of all of it. And I'm not saying it's because of me, but I'm saying that I was there to support him along the way. And so whether a a mom or or a dad, they feel a little bit more comfortable kind of handing me their son, you know, and saying, you know, please support. Um, So I'm just super excited about that. And and I do. It's raw and real. And I tell them what I've been through and how what I've seen and and what I would not want to see their son go through. So what are some of the questions you get asked the most in those situations? Is it, is it about money or is, or, or there, is there something else that you have discovered is the main thing that those kids want to know about? I, I don't want to give all my recruiting secrets away and, and how I, I, I sell myself. But one of the things that I love to tell a, a kid and I say, you know, at 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, you're not even thinking past the draft day, right? You're not thinking past what happens when I get this bonus, but this is the last bonus I get in baseball because it could very easily can happen. And my purpose is to help you plan and, and plan not just the next three years if you go to college and not the next six years if you get to you know free agency arbitration, none of that planning beyond that and beyond your career. And one of the things I always ask a kid when I'm recruiting them is, do you know what generational wealth is? And they're like, yeah. No, because they don't even think about having kids. They're not thinking about having kids and, you know, how to take care of a family long term. And a lot of players don't realize that this is their their biggest bulk of their income and salary will come these next 10 to 15 years for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And so to how to properly plan that whatever this amount is, if it's a huge contract, it's a small contract, if it's a minor league, if you're going to be like, a, you know, in the minor leagues for your whole career how to properly plan that out and be smart and successful with that. And maybe you'll be more successful after baseball, but let's, let's plan that now and, and have that plan. And I think one of the things that you guys had uh, a great experience with and how you handled it is probably something that you can teach people. Uh, I remember Cece talking about this, the idea that, you know, there are always a lot of people around you. Okay. And, and listen, it's great to have a community of people, you know, to help lift you and support you. But when the money starts rolling in, there are other factors there. And I remember the idea of, you know, it wasn't the fact that, you know, everybody knew how much money he made when he signed with the Yankees, but you had people in your life that thought that you got all of that at one time today, like you got that today. And all of a sudden you're going to be pulled in this direction and that direction. And it's probably to a, it's definitely to a smaller scale when you're talking about somebody drafted and get the signing bonus, but those same factors are probably at play in their lives too, right? Absolutely. Because even some of the kids think, oh, I signed out of, you know, I signed out of high school for 2 million. They think they're going to have $2 million in their bank account. And I'm like, surprise, you're not, yeah. you're absolutely not getting that. So it's them actually planning long-term planning that like, this is what you get at this moment. And this may be the last check you get. So let's be smart with that and, and spend it wisely and use it to the best of your advantage. Um, even if it's coming down to meal planning and meal prep and off season work and getting the right 
care in the off season because you have to pay for that. And so you have to think about that. So it's so many factors that these young kids don't think about other than if they're going to buy their mom a house or a car. (laughs) And and I'm there to kind of advise them in what's really important. And listen, that's a pretty big topic right now because the conditions that minor league players are going through and what they have to be able to afford, like you're talking about, that's a really big topic right now that I don't know if it's going to get fixed anytime soon, but there is a light being shed on that. Are you, are you getting involved in that process or helping educate people in that process a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and hopes that, you know, I can even support that in, in, you know, with, certain ways and I want to word this the right way I don't want to say anything wrong but bringing a, a light on that and awareness that it's not enough it's a not enough to survive and it's not enough it's not fair and it's not right for these minor leaguers to be getting paid what they're getting paid right now um and being asked to do what they're prepared su- supposedly preparing themselves for the major leagues to be the best player they can be and they're not getting compensated for that um and so for me it's just educating them on what they do have and how to best manage that and I'm not a financial advisor in any way, but sometimes it's just the young kid needs someone to talk to about it. Yeah. And and listen, your son might be in this position too, where he's going to end up trying to, you know, and he's going to have a luxury that not every, you know, kid goes into the minor leagues is going to have. He's going to have, right. you know, um, that cushion. yes, and not everybody gets <laughs> yeah. to, gets to go through that. And it's, it's yep. a lesson for these guys. Um, I, I want to ask you, as you, started this idea of becoming an agent and are now and you now are an agent as you as you got through this process when you were preparing for you know whatever uh like certifications you had to have and all that stuff did you find that you knew more than you thought or less than you thought definitely less different things with cba i mean there's so many different things that um i'm learning now that i'm so intrigued by also Um, But the one thing that CC said to me when I was starting to go into this and he said, you know, this is our pillow talk, babe, if you're going to do this, you need to be the smartest agent in the room because they're already going to expect you not to be. He goes, so yes, you have the background and yes, you have the, 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 you lived it and you've been a family member and you've been a wife and you've been my agent, you know, my support system. But he goes, they're going to expect just that from you. So you need to go in, in that room and know everything and then some. And so it's definitely, I, I, you know, I've been learning a lot. Um, CAA has been great. The, the co-heads of baseball there and supporting me and making sure I know everything because they see that in me too, that with, with what I bring to the table that many can't on top of knowing everything else that I'll just be a force. So I want to, I want to ask you to go back in time a little bit here with kind of what, you know, now kind of thing. Uh, at the end of the 2008 season, when CC is, uh, you know, being courted by the Yankees as a free agent, um, you had some advice to him as he was trying to weigh things about whether it was going to New York and things like that. So do you remember like a specific conversation that you have with him about about coming here? And do you what do you think you would say to him now? After Yeah. That? So the, the story that that's been told is he went to the um, the winter meetings and, and met with teams and was just overwhelmed and came back with, I don't know what to do. I remember he walked in, I said, so who'd you meet? Like he went with his agent and I was like, who'd you meet? What are you going to do? And he's like, I-, I left more confused than when I got there. And I don't, you know, I don't know. And certain teams are giving me this, this many years and they're telling me this and they're telling me that. 
and they're giving me timelines that I have to commit by. And the next day, Cashman knocked on our door. And it was at that moment when I said to him, you want to go and you want to play for a team that wants you. And no other team, and I'm not saying teams have to come knock on players' doors, but that showed CeCe right then that the Yankees wanted him. And it was, you know, some things that were said privately from Cashman that we knew he, he was serious. And, and that, at that moment, we closed the door and I said, you know, go where you're wanted. And then he was like, I'm, looks like I'm going to New York. Yeah, yeah. And then so now all these years later, um, is there something that you wish you would have known or said at the time or did, did it pretty much play out the way that you thought it would back then? God, no one's ever asked me that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, and, and it, it's just been a blessing because it's not always going to work out how you want it to work out. But, yeah. you know, having that opt out option and having, um, you know, the, the option to kind of not put our demands up, but I know we, we complained about the family situation in the family room and Catherine was like, no, we're building an amazing family room. I mean, all those things at the time that Catherine was just like, whatever you need, we need to get you to New York. And he knew what he was doing. You know, you win the world series the next year. It was like, at that moment, I was like, well, you did your job. Yeah, right, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> the pressure's off. You did your job. Uh, but I don't think the pressure was ever off CC. He's one of those that every five days when he's going out there, the pressure is on. And he definitely was all CC's always was always a pitcher that he was going to put the team on his back no matter what. Um, and that's what I think what gave him so much success throughout his career that he's just like a warrior. He's going out there and he's pitching every five. And in Milwaukee, it was every three days, you yeah. know, anything to get the win. I um I think there's another area here that you are going to be so helpful with with young players as they're going through it. And it's, it's about injuries, you know, players get injured and play and they don't ever foresee it. You know, they think they're, especially, you know, when you're 21 years old, you think you're invulnerable and you think you're Superman, yeah. but the idea of, and listen, this is separate from you and CC were both very uh, public uh, and open about his battles with alcohol and that rehab. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is injury rehab. Yeah. That's a very lonely process for a player because you get detached from the team that you're so much a part of and the, you know, it seems like it moves slow, I would imagine, as you're trying to, you know, they tell you, this is how long it's going to take. You've been through that experience. You can help young players understand what that process is like. Best example is this week, I had a young kid um, still in high school that got injured. And he calls me and he says, I, I just, I want to quit. I don't want to play anymore. And CeCe goes, let him know that everybody hates baseball when you're injured. He's like, you hate the game when you're injured. And he goes, but injury is the game and it's part of the game. And it's, and he was like, it's going to be, it's going to be come with the game. It's not going to be the last time. This is the first of many. Um, I had another advisee that was getting surgery on his knee and CC goes, ha I had four, you yeah. know, like <laughs> look, look at my career. I had four surgeries on my knee, eight surgeries total. You know, it's just, it's part of the game. It, your body isn't meant to play baseball every single day but your brain wants to, right? And so you have to kind of have that happy medium that you have to be okay with that it comes with it. You get through it, you recover and you go back out there. And there's some guys that don't. And so you have to be smart and prepared and ready that if that's the end of your time, it's the end of your time, what are we gonna do next? And there's so many job opportunities in the game. That's one of the things that I wanna you know, enforce and teach my young kids and my advisees that it may not work for you that you'll be a player.
but the game of MLB is there for you. Whether you become an agent, become a scout, get into, you know, broadcasting, there's so many other opportunities, front office available in MLB. So being a player is just, it just can add on to, you know, what you can do long-term. You know, uh, a couple of things you just said uh, made me, made me think of this. I'm curious, like how much, I mean, you're, you clearly have a very strong personality that you can, you know, you can take and be an agent and say, I'm, I'm your player's agent, but how many times the, you know, all the players are going to be familiar with who CC is. So how many times are you kind of putting him on the phone? Are you calling him in from the bullpen to kind of be a closer in this situation or are oh. you kind of leaving him out of it? Oh no, this is a family <laughs> decision. So when we, when we went into this, um, I told CC, I said, I can't do this by myself. And I, and, and it was almost like, he was like, you supported me for 19 years. It's my turn to support you. And so he's definitely right by my side. I called him today about a bullpen. I'm yeah. like, my, one of my advisees needs to throw a bullpen. How many pitches? He's like 30, you know, yeah. like he, he's there, he's there to support me and to give me the facts. And so we're kind of a package deal. Not necessarily because I am the agent and, you know, I'll be in the draft room and I'm the one there day to day and doing all the work, but he's there to support for sure. For sure. Did you, did you have players that were taken in this year's draft? Um, I had one that was offered, but he didn't go. He went back to college. Um, Next year I have a lot going into the draft. And so I told Cece, I go, I don't know. It's it's good. I'm not going to sleep the week before. And he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, you'll be fine. Um, but I did do the draft this year with CAA. We were in the war room and it was amazing. I loved it. Um, I was the only woman in the draft room. Um, and it was funny. We sat down at the big board table and I looked around and I was like, oh, I really am the first recruiting agent, you know, woman. So I'm like, well, let's go. Like, let's, <laughs> this is amazing. But I love it. Um, and I'm excited for, for 22. That's great. Um, so I don't know, I'm sure people have asked you this, so I'm not going to be the first, but I haven't heard your answer. What's harder being a baseball wife or a baseball mom? Hmm. They both have their, their ups and downs, but, um, I'm going to tell you this, that I learned as a baseball wife, it's conditional love. And as baseball mom, it's unconditional. So it's probably harder being a baseball mom because you want only the best for your child and you want to see them happy. And for my son, I know his dream is to play and it may or may not happen, but I have to do everything I can to support him to get him there. And and that may be why I'm sitting here today as an agent, um, because I just want to support him and I, and I want to help him in any way. So I, yeah, I got to go with baseball mom. (laughs) I got to go with mom. I think it's, I know he just turned 18 uh, about a week ago. Right. And uh, yeah. I think a lot of us had uh, a little bit of a hard time dealing with this. Cause we remember five-year-old little C who's no longer so little on his dad's shoulders play. in the world series. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. He's almost bigger. So um, I do know that one of the things that, you know, uh, I remember talking to CC about this years ago was that, you know, college really wasn't an option for him. I mean, it was, but it wasn't because of the financial factor. Um, yeah. And you're fortunate enough now to not have that be a decision that little C has to make. So is college an option for him? Is it something that he wants to pursue? Do you want him to pursue it? Or is it if he gets taken in a position where he can begin his professional career, that's where he's going to go? You know, we we have said at CAA that for these kids, the draft chooses for you. We Mm -hmm. don't have to make that decision. The draft will tell you. The draft will tell you, hey, we're taking you in the third or fourth round. 
and it may not be worth it. It may not be the number that will take you from college. So if you were to ask me as the mom, I want him to go to college. Yeah. If you would ask him, he's ready to play baseball. Um, <laughs> so it's just the road of how he gets there will be up to him, but the draft will definitely tell us if, you know, if, if the number is right for him and he wants to go and he can go, he's going, but if it's not, he's going to college and, and either, either route right now where we are in life, it, it's, it's a great decision, but, um, College isn't a second best. College is definitely one of a, a better decision, especially for major leaguers. All right. So I, I need to ask one question before I ask you this next one, because it might not apply. But uh, have you seen the movie For Love of the Game? Kevin Costner, throwing the perfect game. Uh, yes. Kelly Preston is his. Is yes, his yes, yes. Okay. So here's my question for you based on, I've seen it a you know a thousand times, but um, it's pretty clear in the movie, like she knows him better than anybody and she's watching a game on tv and she can tell just by the way he's moving something's not right here or something's not right there is that how you used to watch cc's games where you could know uh, or even when you watch your son's games where you can know just by facial expression or the way s- something is moving where you know everything going on in their head and how I, they feel i mean it doesn't even have to be at the game we could be in a, at an event and across the room he can make eye contact with me and i'll know exactly I could see, we've been together for so long. Um, We met when we were 15. So, you know, I definitely know the day the game, his arm, I saw, I knew it was coming before it even came. I saw it. I saw the way he was walking around and the way he was moving. And I was like, it's his arm, it's his arm. And then boom, arm pops out of sack socket. Um, So I knew it. I wasn't surprised. And I think I said this in the documentary and I said, you know, God knew that he needed to make your arm fall off for you to stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> like you literally pitched till your arm fell off. So yeah, Cece and I have that, that weird connection that I, I could tell by a look, a glance, a body movement that, you know, what's going on with him. Um, I know he was, did you go to Cooperstown this month with, um, for, for Derek's <laughs> induction? No. So what's, what's funny is I gave up my ticket. I was CC's plus one on that. And I gave it up to go down to team USA. I had two advisees that were playing on team USA. Wow. And so I gave, I gave little C my ticket and I said, you go with dad. I'm going to let this one go for the job. And so instead of going to the hall of fame to see Jeter, I went down to USA to see two of my advisees. So that's that's dedication right there i yeah. think that's phenomenal um i think you're going to get your chance to go visit cooperstown uh in a couple of right. years um, i'm pretty right. sure that you know i won't jinx it for you or anything but i'm pretty sure that that's <laughs> going to happen at some point i just find i don't know do you guys find it cool i mean you've lived in this lifestyle for a very long time but i just watched you know you know you're sitting there next to michael jordan right and i know you guys have been around you know which, i mean we were all you know growing up watching michael jordan do his thing and all of a sudden you get to just hang out with michael jordan is that still feel cool or is that so surreal for cc when cc signed with the jordan brand it was like a kid in a candy store that that's (laughs) all he wanted it was like he made it at that moment to be a jordan athlete and he's been with the jordan family since and he's you know good friends with michael and you know he'll say like oh let me text him and i'm like that's crazy that you can text michael jordan but also so amazing um so yeah, it, it definitely, he's built a lot of friendships in this game. I mean, even Jeter, that's like a brother to him, but to say like, yeah. Derek Jeter is, is still mind blowing, but also, you know, he's gotten to a place in his career that these relationships have been built and he has great friendships and, and I'm excited to one day be in Cooperstown for him. 
there are young players who are going to say the same thing about CC Sabathia right now. You know, there are guys like I know Jordan Montgomery has learned so much from him and, you know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's had a phenomenal season, I think. Um, all right. So here's one last one for you for Amber, the agent. Okay. Um, you've got a player who is going to become a free agent and he's got some suitors and the Yankees or the Mets or, you know, New York is one of them. Okay. Uh, he's coming from another city and he says, Amber, I don't know what to do. I need you to answer. Tell me two things. What's the best thing about New York? And what's the worst thing about New York? What are you going to tell me? It's the same thing. It's the fans. Really? (laughs) It's the best thing about New York. And it's the worst thing about New York. They love you just based off of your last performance. So I always say you're only as good as your last at bat. You're only as good as your last start. So if you're good, they're going to love you. And if you're bad, they're going to boo you. Um, So you have to be ready for that stage. You have to be ready for the highs and the lows. You have to have a thick skin. Um, And it can be one of the greatest things coming to New York. And it can be one of the worst. My thanks to Amber Sabathia. And you can tell her dedication to her new job is full-fledged when she passes up a chance to sit at Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame induction ceremony to chase down clients. Hey, if you're new here, please check out the 30 with 30 archive at Odyssey, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You might enjoy the recent special, the 1961 Yankees, which features some long-lost interviews with Mickey Mantle, Mel Allen, and others. It also includes a new interview with Howie Rose, who hosted a 30th anniversary special on the 61 Yankees on WFAN from which those original interviews were pulled. Also, I had a fun chat with Phil Robinson, director of Field of Dreams. You can find all that and more on our archives, so don't forget to subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.